0: What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isley. This is the Sports Ethos Grizzlies Podcast. We are here for a post game. The Memphis Grizzlies fall short to the Milwaukee Bucks, one twenty six to one fourteen. Fall of thirty one and sixteen on the season. Still clinging to that third place seed in the West. But I got to be honest, I'm not even close to upset about this game. The Grizzlies are decimated right now. You got Dylan Brooks out. Well, with his injury, and then you have Killian Tilly, Tyus Jones, Desmond Vane, and Kyle Anderson, all in health and safety protocols. So, the next man up mentality was still in, in effect. You know, the, the Grizzlies end up losing this game by 12, but there was a, a chance that the I mean, the Grizzlies honestly had a shot to win this game, even being completely outmanned.
1: Yeah, I mean, and there was a, a, a point there late in the fourth quarter at about a little bit over two minutes ago where the, the shot clock operator um, messed up. Uh, Grinsley it should have been an eight-second violation on Milwaukee. Uh, they don't call it. youngest goes down and gets dunk, and they go up seven. And the Grizzlies could have had the ball. They should have had the ball down five at that point. You make the shot. It's a one-possession game, and maybe things turn, turn around. But, I mean, that's not really the reason why he lost the game. Nine of 40 from three is one of the main reasons, big reasons why he lost the game. But yeah, man. I mean, you you can't be upset with this one at all. I mean, for this team to be on the road uh, against the, the defending world champions in pretty much full sprint, outside of Brook Lopez, I know Drew Holiday was first game back. He didn't start, but he did play significant minutes in the game, so he was there. That Bucks team is relatively healthy uh, to to be in that game late, especially with the way they shot the basketball. I think you have to be impressed with the, with what the Grizzlies did. And we talk about that next man up mentality. I think this time the combination of it is just a just a, a bit too much. I mean you it's one thing to just be missing Dylan Brooks or Bane to miss, to have both of them out on top of Kyle. That's pretty much your your wing rotation there. Um and outside of D Melton. And you're also missing your backup point guard and you talk about Killian Tilly who's a guy who in normal circumstances with those guys out would have got more minutes last night. You don't even have him. So it's just a tough spot. And you need it in order for them to have a chance, you need it you're your two big guys to step up in John Moran and Jared Jackson Jr. And they did that in a big way. Jared struggled in that first half, man, but really, really came alive in the second half and had a fantastic game against Giannis. I think that second half was probably some of the best basketball we've ever seen from him in his career. I mean, the turnaround from that first half, the end up with 29 points, nine boards, assists, four blocks, uh, 9 of 20 from the field, 9 of 10 for the free throw line, did knock down two threes in 31 minutes. A tremendous turnaround, man. Played some terrific basketball. I think you got to be encouraged what you saw from him going forward. And John Morant, man, just another big night. I mean, that I man they really stepped up late in that fourth quarter. Um, he ended up with 33 points, eight rebounds, man, 14 assists, two rebounds away from a triple-double, 12-27 from the field. Man, knocked down four threes, man. Hit one from all the way back in Memphis. There up there Milwaukee, man. That, that thing was so far, man. That's like back in Memphis. Uh, that three that he knocked down late in the shot clock early in the first half, um, Five of what he five or five from free throw line thirty nine minutes, uh, just a fantastic game from from John Jarrett, and that's what you want to see from from your two guys when when, when you're when you're shorthanded. Uh, they couldn't get didn't get the win, man. But I think there's a lot of positives to take out of this game.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think this road trip might be rough. You know, the, the thing that we as fans have to hold on to here is the amount of depth that you lose. Because be, best-case scenario, absolute best-case scenario, you get Bane, Kyle, and Tyus back coming out of the road trip the first game back at home, which is Friday against the
1: Wizards? Utah. Is is Utah Friday back-to-back back Saturday with Saturday as the Wizards. Okay, so yeah. You I hope they play you. Friday. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, like, the, the, our, our best-case scenario, the Grizzlies' best-case scenario, is getting those guys back when they get back home on Friday. So these four road games are going to be without, you know, yeah. very key components for this team. So it, there's a good chance that they could possibly lose all these games. And, and I'm not saying that these games are not winnable because you saw in this matchup against the Bucks that even with the depleted roster and not just this game all year, the next man up mentality has been fantastic. And if you have somebody – other than Jaron or Ja knock down threes, th- this is a different game. Everybody not named Ja or Jaron, they combined three for 24. Three for 24 from three. You, you cannot have that type of uh, or that lack of production from your, your other guys. You know, you talk about John ja and Jaron stepping up and doing what we want to see them do in the, and they did that but they just really didn't get the the boost from anywhere else um you know brandon continues to play well he was six for nine from the field he had yeah. you know four four rebounds few defensive stats in there he he is just you know bounced He's back, back tremendously back. and that that's huge for the grizzlies that's huge for this team huge for the playoff run we were seeing dnp coaches decisions for Brandon yeah, Clark
1: is wow. And,
0: and I'm telling you right now, when you get to the playoffs and you cut down to a seven or eight man rotation, Brandon Clark is one of those guys right now. He's one of the seven or eight. And and we thought that he would be after his rookie season. And then he's kind of you know, he, he fell off a little bit in the second year, so was slumping, lost some confidence, but but he's back in that rotation. I think the most promising thing to me is is we have voiced concerns about John and Jaron being able to coexist. And what are these guys we we know, and I hate to even say it like that because it's like there's beef between them and there's
1: absolutely 100% not.
0: not. We just, on on a regular basis, we have not watched these guys play well together at the Mm -hmm. same time. Last night was an example of them doing that and doing that at a high level. If these two guys didn't show up in the way that they did last night, this game gets out of hand. And Jaron really turned it on in the second half. I think um, the Grizzlies scored 40 in the third. I think John Jaron had over 30 of that, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that, that, I think you're correct. And correct. I mean, they were down big. I mean, they, that, that thing turned around quickly. Uh Grizzlies kept making some runs there in the third quarter, keep getting back at them. And every time Grizzlies have a little run, Bucks put, next thing you know, they back up 13, 14, 15. Um, and it was that with about four or five minutes left. And the next thing you know, it was a five-point game. Uh, really quickly, uh, Grizzlies turned that thing around. I think last night they just needed one one other person to kind of step up. Outside of, of, of Ja, and, and C, they really just didn't get a lot uh, last, last night. I mean, you, the Anthony Melton was a guy that we talked about on the last show that needs to step up and he, he really just he didn't do that uh, I mean only five points for him uh two of seven shooting I mean one of six from three he's really really struggling um in pretty much all areas now usually he brings the hustle and defense you're not even getting that from him right now um and it's just he's becoming to the point right now that he's he's personally unplayable I mean he, when he dribbles you cringe every time you see him put the ball on the floor man you he, he gets gets loose with the dribble and that's something that that hasn't improved in this game, and, and it's just tough because they really need it right now. And again, I just think one other guy, if one other guy had stepped up last night. I think they would have would have would have had a solid shot of winning this game. But again, man, you're just missing so much production uh, out of your lineup. At some point, we we talked about well, this team is been able to persevere through all of this. At some point, it's going to catch up with you, and I think it finally did last night. And I was talking to Michael Cole, uh, New Grizzlies beat writer from the Commercial Appeal, and we were kind of talking last night about. Dallas and, and how this road trip is tough with the Grizzlies having all those guys out and that it was an inopportune time. As Dallas is surging right now, man. Luca is on one right now, man. Had another huge night last night. What do you have? 48 last night? Yeah. Something like was, the 44.
0: He was smoking last,
1: last night, man.
0: He, he was
1: and, killing it. And the Grizzlies had like a, a six and a half point lead on them about a week ago. And it's down to four now. And and I was saying, man, this the Grizzlies could lose all the games on this road trip. And that's not saying that I believe they will. I'm just being realistic. I mean, you, these are tough games. I mean, these are going to be tough games, even if they were at full sprint. And there was a, another guy, I can't remember his name now on Twitter last night. was kind of pushing back on that. Like, Oh, I'm not worried about Dallas. They're, they're not going to catch us. And I was like, man, like I'm a glad to have full guy with this team. I'm, I, I was on here saying a week ago, this team could compete for the first number one seed in the West. So, I'm usually going to err on the side of positivity when it comes to my takes on the team. But even I know you're going into Denver, you're a short, short roster. You had altitude. You beat this team twice back to back here at Memphis. You know, they had this game circle. They're going to be looking for, for get back in this one. You saw what, uh, Nikola Jokic did last night, man. What about that pass, man? That's one of the, one of the greatest passes I've ever seen, man, to, to the corner for Aaron Gordon for the game winner from three, just, a. Over the deep, double-team, man. This guy passes cross-court out of a double-team to, mm-hmm. to Aaron Gordon for the game-winner, man. It's just ridiculous stuff BB from a big man.
0: I hate – like, he is not flashy. He's not – like, he – like, he's a better version of Tim Duncan. and, and yeah. That's like, you know, I, I don't know if overall in history that Jokic is going to go down – as a he better dunk, player dunk, overall than, than he, Tim Duncan.
1: But, he's you know, underrated still. Yeah, <laughs> even like, even with the accolades he gets, I still think he's underrated for how good good he really is.
0: It, it was crazy to me how people were crapping on him, and, and even media members were like, oh, this is the worst MVP that we've had.
1: I'm like... Man, dude was a monster last year, dude, man. You
0: not it's see, ridiculous. like, he, he is carrying, he is carrying a bench squad yeah, that team should be good where they
1: are. Yeah, they you should know, be where they are.
0: They're three games above 500. This this touted Lakers team, they put all these pieces together. The Denver Nuggets, without two of their three best players, are three games over 500. They are two games up on the Lakers in the West because of Nikola Jokic, and he just doesn't get the credit. And that's he he is a phenomenal player. That doesn't he he's not flashy, he he doesn't do a lot of stuff to like draw attention to himself, so he he doesn't get all the hype. And you know D- Denver is, I, you know I don't think that Denver is really a small market. It's a pretty big city, but it, it you know he does not get the credit that he deserves. Definitely,
1: no, yeah, he he never has, and um, it was kind of it's kind of similar to. Like the year that, and I'm not saying that there he was as good as him, but Marcus Marc year he won defensive player of the year. A lot of people didn't understand that, and it's kind of that same thing. I mean, you just don't realize the impact that he had on that team that year defensively, and it's, people just don't get the credit because he's not flashy. He's not a guy that's doing all this flashy stuff and, 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 and putting up 35 points, on, points a night, Mark at least, and, and people just didn't give him credit for that. Jokic's putting up. 40, 40 plus numbers, he's still not getting credit, but it's kind of that same thing, because they, these are one of those were like, big-time flashy guys that were drawing attention to himself, and those just not the guys that the media use the keys in on, and you hate to see it, man, because he, he's a monster. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that Jokic is, man, I, I want to say, I really want to say, top, top five player in this league. I really, really do think that. I mean, Embiid is more flashy because kind of some of the things that he does, and he's in a, in a, in a bigger market than Philadelphia, so he kind of Get those accolades, but I think Jokers deserved every bit of that MVP last year. Uh, but to go back to what I go back to what I was saying, real quick, I was saying that that was going to be a tough game, even if you're at full sprint, you're going to be at altitude, uh, you're going to have a, a, a short roster. That's going to be a tough game. And Sunday, I mean, that's a massive game uh, against Dallas. The uh, Dallas has the season series right now, two to one. You need that win to tie the season series. It's fighting for the Southwest Division, and I know that lead. Looks significant right now. I mean, it's four, but you got to look at this road trip. Say the Grizzlies lose all of these games, you could be at, at the end of that San Antonio game makes Wednesday tonight. You could be. This could be a one point, one game difference between Grizzlies and Dallas. And a week ago, you were like, "There's no way Grizzlies were catching Dallas was catching them." They were six and a half games up or something. And people, and then this guy was like, "On me," he was like, "There's no way that's gonna happen." I'm like, "Man, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but it, it, it's a possibility." I mean, this is a tough road trip. And with the roster they have right now, you don't have your backup point guard, I think, which is the biggest thing. If they had Tyus, I think it would make the outlook a little bit better. But, but not having Tyus to run that second unit is, is really tough. And these games are going to be tough. I mean, if the Grizzlies come out of this with one or two wins, I think you take that as a, a big
0: victory. Yeah, 100%, man. You know, that that's um, – I jumped into one of the Twitter spaces last night, and I generally just kind of jump in and listen – but I wanted to get involved in the conversation and it, it was great. It, it's, it's good conversation. Um, you know, you get, sometimes there's points that are made that are, are not valid. Sometimes they're, they're yeah. good points. And sometimes it brings you into things that you wouldn't think about, but you know, the, we, we were talking about the value of Tyus Jones in that group last night. And the thing that is the the biggest hit from that is you don't have, so with Tyus being out, if Bain was healthy, you could stagger the minutes, even with Bane starting, you could stagger the minutes to where either Bane or Ja is on the floor to run the to run the point. Yeah. And that's they don't have that luxury right now. There's not anybody on this roster because the the two guys, you know, Tyus, Bane, I guess three, Tyus, Bain, and Kyle are all three guys that, can, all out. you know, they can execute this offense at a high level. And with them out, you got a guy in Jarrett Culver who has not played that much this year. And, and I've got to say there, like, he did not look terrible in, in the short no. amount of time that, you know, like... No, he, he, was,
1: he wasn't terrible. Night. He,
0: he, was, he was fine, but it wasn't at the level that you expect from that backup point guard position. And so... Yeah, I, I think Tyus is extremely valuable to this team, but I think other pieces improving have made his value drop. But you you see a game like last night, and it just it ex- exposes what this team is without so without John Moran on the floor, and that that's just sloppy offense. They don't have somebody that can execute the offense when he's not on the floor, unless Tyus is there. But I would argue that they do have people that can run the offense if Tyus is not there. Those guys are just not healthy at this time.
1: Yeah, I mean you 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 they missed Tyas in a big way last night. We were talking about we, we were we we're talking back and forth early in that fourth quarter um, about that lineup that he had on the floor. I, I I know that the situation they're in and stuff, but Taylor Jenkins, if you're listening to this, please. I never want to see that lineup ever. Um, again, um, I think it, with the roster that they have right now, with these guys out, I think it's some you got to have Ja or Jared on the floor at all times. Like, there's no time where you could have both of those guys out the floor. I mean, you just saw how bad that was early in that fourth quarter; those guys were out the floor, and, and you saw what happened as soon as they put them back in the game, because the, the game changed. You just can't have those guys out right now uh, with, with missing Tyus and missing Kyle and, uh, and, and and Bain and all the guys that you're missing, and Dylan Brooks, obviously. You just have to have one of those guys on the floor at all the time. And if you don't, you're going to see what happens. Especially, you know how the defense is going to suffer without Jared on the floor. And it's just missing too much production to have both of those guys off the floor. So I was kind of glad that he finally injected them back in. They quickly got back into the game. Kind of interesting to see if we see Tyrell Terry uh, sometime during this road trip. The guys has actually put him on a two-way contract. Um, he's a guy that I think if they, they do lose tires, I think I would still draft the guy. Uh, a backup point guard or a point guard in the draft, but I think Tyro Terry is a guy that has some upside that I would like to see get a chance here. I mean, you going all the way down to the bottom of the roster and guys playing, man, this would be a good time to get him some run.
0: I actually, I don't think Shaq would be a bad option to to run the point either. You know, we, we kind of discussed that yeah. off air, but you know, I, they have other guys that they could definitely plug in there. My my only argument to your like that, you know, the discussion we were just having about Jar or Jaron like one of them needing to be on the floor. The only thing that would kind of push that in the other direction is if De'Anthony Melton is knocking down shots. If D'Anthony Melton is hot, he can carry the offense while those guys are on the bench. The problem is he, he just hasn't been. And, and I know there, there's a lot of people around the Twitter community that love De'Anthony Melton, and they look at this uh, box score and they see the plus minus. You know, he, he was uh, plus nine one of the only guys on the team to be a positive last night. But it, when, when you break it down, he had four personal fouls in 17 minutes. He was one for six from three. He missed both, both free throws at yeah. a crucial time in the game. I mean, you
1: just and so, one of the first ones just terrible, man. Missed the whole rim, like almost broke the backboard. I was like, man, that is, yeah, you know, he's, he's bad. But it, down bad if he's like missing free throws like that. Yep,
0: yeah. And so it's. That, that would be the only thing that I think could save them is if Melton was in a spot where he was knocking down shots. So if you got a game where Melton is out there and he's having a strong game, you could maybe set those guys at the same time for four or five minutes, but it, like you, you have to stagger it to where you have either Jar or Jaron because Zyra Williams is not at that level yet. He's improving but he's not at that level where he's got the confidence that are are the team. Maybe they do have the confidence in him, but as a fan base, I don't think that we have uh, enough confidence in him to say, you know, Zaire can take over and, and get buckets. He's just not there yet. I think that he can get there. Steven Adams is not that offensive guy. John Conchar, while he's been knocking down shots lately, he was over four from three last night. He is a great role player. But he's not a guy that's going to be able to get his own offense and go out there and get buckets when you need them. They just don't have that player right now outside of John Jaron. So staggering is probably the best bet. But the, the only argument against that would be is if Melton himself is having a good game.
1: Yeah, and, and to talk about the Anthony Melton is going to kind of take us in a, in a different direction a, a little bit. Uh, and you look at the, the trade deadline, and you look at the way this team is playing and, and when they're healthy, it, it doesn't scream that they need to go out and make a move. Uh, and we've talked about that. I think this team deserves a, a chance to kind of see what would happen, go to the playoffs, see if they can get to the second round, if they can win a series in the first round, get to the second round, see what happens and then kind of evaluate from there. Uh, but I've, I've continued to say this. And I think what, with the, what I know about this front office and, how proactive they are. They don't like to waste assets. They if, they, if they have the opportunity to make a move, anything to get better, whether it short-term or long-term, they're going to go out and make that move to kind of cash in on those assets. And a lot of people have said that they feel like the Grizzlies do nothing at the deadline. And I would be shocked if they didn't do anything. I don't know how big the move would be or how small it would be, but I think they do something. I mean, you look at the assets that they have right now that are coming up. Of course, they have three first-round picks in this year's draft, and they also have expirings and ties. Kyle and Jared Cole. Now, with how, how the team is overachieved this year, I mean, you're sitting in the third spot right now. I, I've kind of moved off the thought that they're going to gonna move Tyus and, and Kyle. I thought going to the season was probably almost 100% that they would move Tyus, especially uh, with kind of situation with Job, ja kind of moving into the superstar realm. And he's going to play up with the 35 minutes, 36 minutes a night, and you're not going to pay him back a backup point guard. I thought with Kyle, it was a likely, more likely chance that he stayed here because. He's a guy that could get extended. Um, so I, I kind of thought Tyus was a shoe in to be moved. But now with kind of where they are right now, I think they might hold on to both of those guys. But knowing this front office, like I said, they're proactive. They don't like to waste assets. I would be shocked if they don't, if they sit on all three of those expirers. And those are expiring is Jared Culver. Uh, I think he's upwards of six, six plus million dollars expiring. And De'Anthony Melton, you look at it, he's struggling right now. And you look at how things have kind of gone this year. Uh, you, you know, you got Dylan Brooks coming back. You got Bain, who was taking a, a tremendous leap. Uh, you, you develop desire Williams and even Contra and improvements that he's made. I think at some point you're going to have to start consolidating on the wing. And right now, if you look at it, I think the Anthony Melton might be that odd man out. And, and I kind of put this out on Twitter. I think I wouldn't be surprised if you saw something based around the Anthony Melton, Jared Culver, in one of those first round picks. Uh, And I think it's a consolidation move and it kind of gets rid of some of those assets, not a major move, uh, that that's going to change. And I I don't know what the return would be. I haven't even looked at anything. It could be picks. It could be a player, a young player, somebody that they feel like could could come in and maybe somebody that could possibly help you this year or somebody that could help you down the line. But I got a feeling that Melton might be a guy that they shop around on, on the deadline. It's just kind of, Read as he leaves and how things are going. Cause at some point they're going to have to consolidate on the wing. They have a lot of guys right now. And right now with his struggles, man, he just kind of seems like he might be the odd man out. With
0: the improvement that we've seen from Zaire Williams. I I think that you almost have to, right? Like, like you're, you're there's going to be somebody. Is that somebody, is it going to be Melton? Is it going to be Dylan Brooks? Um, You know, who it's going to happen somewhere. Does it happen before the trade or does it happen by the trade deadline this year? Does it happen in the off season? I don't know. Um, But, but I agree with you. I think that somebody, especially a a wing player has to be moved. You can't depth is great, but eventually some of these guys are going to need to get paid and you can't pay everybody. The one thing that I think the Grizzlies have going for them is their owner. He has increased in value and worth since owning the Grizzlies significantly. And so, while the Grizzlies are a small market team, Parra's not hurting for money. I don't know that they necessarily have to treat this. If they're going for the sustained success, they can open that checkbook a little bit. I think that they could, you know, we're talking about Tyus probably getting, what would you say? I'd say. The I low- think at least
1: ten. He- the, I uh, yeah. think
0: the low end of the low end of it is 10, but yeah. my guess is probably somewhere between like 12 and 14. 12 and 14. Maybe yeah. Yep. Yeah. you know, that's 15. what I think. Yeah. Are you gonna get a guy that brings the kind of value that Tyus does to this team? And I don't know that the answer to that question is yes. Is Tyus gonna be okay? staying in a backup point guard role. I know the relationships are good. I know the chemistry is good on this team. It's all about what people are willing to accept. And, and that's why I had a great conversation with a guy about Demonis Sabonis. And he's like, I think Sabonis is a perfect fit for the Grizzlies. And I know that you yourself <laughs> like Sabonis.
1: I do, but, but yeah, I, I, I agree I, with it. I, yeah, I, I don't think he's a great fit either because it kind of like, goes back to put yourself back in the same situation you were in with Valanchunas.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of, you know, who are you taking the shots from? Sabonis is getting 12 shots a game. When this team is healthy, who are you taking those shots away from? And I know that depth, so you take pressure off of some of your stars, is good to have, but at what cost? Like I think that there, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And so, to me, I don't know that they're going to go out and, and, and get a guy that's going to demand that type of offensive workload. Um, we don't know what Zaire Williams is going to be. We know with his his frame, his athletic ability, you know, his his upside is pretty much limitless at this point. And the way that these guys have been able to – th- these guys, the coaching staff, have been able to develop talent, I don't – like, There's not many guys on this roster that I'm ready to just willingly give up. And I'm not a homer. I'm not naive and think that, you know, Zio Williams is going to land you Giannis Antetokounmpo. I I don't believe that. I know in order to get something, you've got to give up something. But I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to do that right now. I don't know that this team is at the level that they can win a championship this year. Crazier things have happened, but I would love to see them stand pat, met, do a fringe move. I say package D'Anthony Melton, Jarrett Culver, and go out. You know, Mo Bamba is a guy that we've discussed, um, but before he he, he yeah, he, that's where I was you know, going next. You um, know, that I'm not going to throw out a ton of names because we don't know, and that's the one thing that that I, I've got to hammer home is if you go back and you look at what this front office have, has done as far as trades, how much of it was leaked beforehand? Did you know about the JV trade before it happened? No. Did you know about them, you know, were, were there talks about them moving back into the first round to get Brandon Clark before it happened? No. All those trades that transpired during the offseason, did you know that any of them were coming like we, we got guys in trades, the Grizzlies got guys in trades like Eric Bledsoe. You knew that he was not going to be a Grizzly. Uh, Pat Beverly, at one point we thought maybe he was going to stick around, but then that didn't happen. This front office does not leak stuff. And so anything that you see in the media as far as trades, this isn't coming from the front office. This is just people theory crafting. And I think, like, we've got to keep that in mind because I don't think that this front office is going to just I, – I at some point they're going to make that transition, right? They're going to transition from the developmental stage into, okay, we've got what we need. Now we need to – Now we need to take the next step. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it's this trade deadline. Maybe they've seen enough this year that they're okay, uh, you know, making that transition at the trade deadline. Or maybe maybe they wait until the offseason. You go into this playoff series that they're going to be in this year. Maybe they get to the second round with what they have. And then you see where your weakness is. Or maybe you see the weakness and you're like, okay, but we're going into the offseason. Desmond Bain had a massive, massive jump from rookie season to to year two. Is Zaire Williams going to do the same thing? And I I think that it's it's quite possible that we we talked about, uh, or not we, Coach Jenkins talked about Zaire's, Uh, playmaking ability, his playmaking upside, and I think that we see that. I would be willing to bet you that we see Zaire play a role similar to what Desmond Bain played in the Summer League this year. You back with me, man?
1: Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, there you are. Okay, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I was about to say that. I think my mic was muted. Sorry about that. I was talking about Summer League and and Zaire, I, I think he's going to have a, a big-time summer league. And I'm not trying to rush the season or anything, but when we get to that point, I'm going to be extremely excited to see because we saw what happened with, with Bain last year, and they kind of entrusted him to be their leader of that team. They put him on the ball. Um, he, he got major minutes in the games he was playing and just kind of let him go out there and play his game. And I think that's the same thing that we might see from Zaire this summer. And I think he's going to be really good because I think – just similar to what we saw with Bane last year with the way he's developed I think it's going to be easy for him um, out there and I think it, that's going to be great for us development and hopefully we kind of see that same jump from him I mean we've talked time and time again about how well this this coach staff develops players and I mean that's that's something that well, that's, if you're a fan of our team you cover team that you can really be confident in because if a team develops players right I mean that's why I trust the team they draft the right guys and they develop and that's a really really good quality to have a franchise, but a lot of teams don't have that. A lot of teams draft these guys, and you just they get buried on the bench. You never hear from them again. This front office and this coaching staff has shown if if they invest in a guy, they're going to give you opportunity. They're not just drafting these guys and sending them down from G League for two or three years and not letting them play. They're letting these guys play, man. So I think that that's one thing that's real positive, and I think we can see that jump from Zaire next year because they're going to put the effort in with him, and I think he he has the work ethic to 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 take the coaching and take the teaching. And, and translate to the basketball court. And I, I'm excited about him in, in summer league. And I think Tyre Terry is another guy that we mentioned earlier that I think has some upside. And if they do indeed lose ties could be a guy that name, but you could see could develop into a guy that could play back up guard for this team. I mean, he has some, some skills, a lot of, in college, a lot of people and don't go crazy. I'm not going to say that he's Steph Curry or anything, but a lot of the things that he does, a lot of the, the, the dribbling, the moves the, the step back jump shots, they kind of compared them to, to Steph Curry. So he definitely has some upside and I'm, Hoping that we get a chance to possibly see him on this road trip because they need some more bodies, uh, more more guys down the ball. The Anthony Melton is just talents just just aren't there, man. He can't really do it. And, and again, man, you got Jared Culver doing it, and that's not really his, his real role. So I would like to see Tyrell Terry, but this franchise has done tremendous when it comes to developing players. So I think Zaire is in fantastic hands. If you're going to take a guy, take a swing on a guy that that has upside, the Grizzlies are, are probably a, a great place for you to land, but. Go back to Mo Bum. Um, He's a guy that, that I, I really, really like, man. First couple years in the league, really never could put together. You saw flashes of, of the potential that that people thought he had when he's coming out, but this year, man. Last night, man, thirty two point seven of eight from from downtown for for Mo Bamba, and I, the reports are that they're, they're willing to move him uh, for for a first round pick. I think the question with him is going to be, what do you pay him, and can you keep him? He has a, a ten plus million dollar qualifying offer. So of course, if you trade for him, you got to pick that up to make him a restricted free agent. But I think when, when you look at this team and, and, and kind of the guys they have right now, you still have Steven Adams here. You have uh, Jared here and Brandon Clark uh, and the guys that you have on on this roster. I, I, I I'll love him. I think he would be a great piece for this team. He's 23 years old. He's the right age. He's a guy that I still feel has a lot of upside that can grow along with the major guys on this team. And you think about what he would bring for the rest of this year. Imagine going into the playoffs with a big rotation of Stephen Adams, Jaron Jackson, Brendan Clark, and Mo Bummer, that you could deploy those guys defensively. I mean, I think that would be big time for this game. And even Mo Bummer and Jaron can both step out and spread the floor a little bit. I mean, that would be fantastic. But after this season, can you keep them? And I think there are going to be teams that will be offering them a starting spot and be willing to pay him more money, I think. And, and Willa Grizzlies, how high would they be willing to go to keep him? I wouldn't want to go any much higher than $10 million because you kind of have that center, even though at some point you're gonna need a center. I was kind of talking to somebody about this the other night. I still don't think as well as Steven Adams has played age-wise and, and kind of fit and everything like that. I just don't I don't think he's in the long-term plans of his team. Uh so I, I think Mo Bamba could eventually slide in as a starting center next with this team next to Jeremy. I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, for this team, but I think with him, the only question is that being a free agent this summer and, and, and could you keep him, how much would you be willing to pay? But I think he's a tremendous fit on this team, and I would I would love to see that. And that's, that's the kind of move that I think this front office would make because it, it makes a lot of sense agent fit-wise, and I think they're smart in picking. They're not going to just go get a guy that doesn't kind of fit their vision, and I can see long term where he could really fit in with the guys that we have.
0: One thing that I'm, I am 100% convinced of is that this front office is not gonna make a move for a rental player?
1: No, they're, they're not they, that's not the game they play. It,
0: sustained success has been preached. That that is, you know, I, I think pretty much from Kleiman's first media availability, he talked about sustained success. That's what they're going for, you know. And that's you you can have dynasty talks because of the level that John Moran is playing at whether the Grizzlies get to the dynasty level or not that is a rare thing it's extremely rare for that to happen I, I don't know if they will get to that but I think that that is the goal from this front office and, and I don't see them if they do go out and they they get bomba or, or anybody else for that matter it's because of like they have a, a strategic reason for going to get those guys. Did they hope going out and getting Jarrett Culver that he was going to be able, like that they were going to be able to develop him and him become a rotation piece? I don't know, but them going out and getting him frees up money for them in the off season, and and that is, I've never seen them make a move where there was no plan with it, and and that's where I think that we're at. That I don't see them making any type of temporary. Win this season, move without it having long term implications for this
1: franchise. Yeah, they're they're not they're not the kind of that's kind of thing we saw with the, the previous regime where they just kind of go get guys and, and see if it'll work out to try to maximize this season. They're not going to do that. They're not going to go get somebody just to make a move to to see if this guy can help us this season. There, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say they don't care at all about what happens this season, but everything they do, and again, from like you said, from the jump. They've said that everything they do is viewed in long term sustained success. And they're not going to just, if a guy doesn't fit that quota or, or that criteria, they're not going to go get him. And that's the reason why I'm keeping my eye on the Obama thing, because I think he fits that. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, on, on a higher scale than Jerry Culver, a guy that had high accolades, hasn't, hadn't quite lived up to him. He's, he's getting closer to living up to him coming in, but a guy that you feel like has more upside that you might be able to get cheaper than what. His, his eventual ability will bring. That's the kind of move that this front office goes to get because, again, he's young at 23 and a guy that I think could easily turn into a starting center for this team uh, going forward, and that's just the kind of move they make. And, again, I think what could stop it from happening and them not having any interest in it would be kind of the, the, them being a restricted free agent this offseason and would they be willing to pay him 12, 13, 14 million a year, which is probably what it would take to keep him because I think you could look at teams maybe like a Charlotte, there are going to be some teams out there that are going to be looking for him as a starter, and they might be wanting to go a little bit north for what the Grizzlies will be willing to pay him.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think that his, his injury history may kind of deter that a little bit, but he's only 23, and teams may believe, they may have faith in their medical staff that they can do the things necessary in order to keep him healthy. Um, I, I want to roll back toward the game a little bit. We got derailed some, and that's okay. I love those conversations. Did you happen to see uh, on NBA Today yesterday, Malika and Roz talking about the, the Grizzlies? Did you watch that clip at all?
1: Wait, I didn't. I didn't see anything, any NBA stuff yesterday.
0: So Roz was giving Bane all kinds of credit, talking about his game and him developing into more than just a shooter. And as Grizzlies fans, we've known this. We knew, we knew that that was the case. But I'm glad that other people are seeing it. But w- one of the things that, that she talked about is the pace that the Grizzlies play at, and that, that was the case last night. The Grizzlies took more shots. They took nine more shots than the Bucks. Unfortunately, they just were not falling. 41% from the field, but, but you know, uh, 44 of 106 for 41, basically 42% from the field. The Bucks were for 46 of 97, 47% from the field. So if the Grizzlies just get shots to fall last night, I think they're in a better spot, and, and maybe they win this game. And I'm completely convinced that they beat this team if they're healthy. Um, We, we haven't really ran through the, uh, the the stats, the team stats. you want to do that right now?
1: Yeah, I, and and I, and I tweeted out last night. I think they win this game going away easily if if they were healthy. I think you could see kind of the way the game go went because even – everything that happened, how, how bad they shot the basketball, uh, they just weren't making shots. I mean, you have all these guys out. You had stretches where you had to play kind of these rat lineups uh, that that, that really struggled. And then you look up and here's a five-point game with, with three minutes to go. I think I don't think there's any question if you had Bane shooting and, and the intangibles that Kyle, Kyle brings and, and Tyus run that second unit that they would have won that game last night. That's kind of what's, what's tough about this situation because they, they could lose all these games and they could would have possibly would have won all of them if they were healthy. And that's kind of why, why it's tough because you're in this race, you're looking up at, at Golden State at second and thinking you're right there and kind of have this happen and you might take a downturn here, take some losses that you wouldn't otherwise taking. That That's kind of what's tough. But before I run to the team stats, you kind of go to what you were saying about Desmond Bain and people around the country catching on. Candace Parker has become a big advocate for him as well uh, on, on NBA TV. Uh, she's been talking a lot about him. And it seems like it kind of, Lift on that game, uh, on Martin Luther King game, with that game being on TNT. I've seen a lot of people since that game kind of start giving him giving him a lot of accolades. he doing national interviews. And if you kind got to look at the Vegas odds, he wasn't even on the list. Like a month ago, you look over there, it was like 25 guys on there, most improved player. He wasn't even on there. I checked on there today, and he's now fifth at, at plus 4,600. Moran, of course, is still leading away at, at minus 170, which I, I just think we talked about this on the last episode, I just think Moran is kind of above that now. I think anytime a guy's the MVP, MVP candidate, which I think he is, a lot of people disagree nationally. Um, I've had some conversations with Lakers fans and the people outside of Memphis, and they disagree, still don't think Jai is where we know he is here at Memphis, but I think he's the MVP candidate. I think it's kind of wild that he's leading, lead most improved player. He's kind of even hinted at the fact that he doesn't even want consideration. He's kind of talk about Bain and Bain did a national interview today, kind of talk about some of that trash talk they had in the Lakers game with LeBron, and uh, they mentioned a lot of different things. They said that if he's invited to the three-point shootout, that he plans on accepting the invite, and he plans on winning it, which at this point, I don't see any way of, it's a travesty if he's not invited with what the Grizzlies are in the way he's shooting on the volume that he shoots. He should definitely be in, in the three-point contest. So I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up there, and I think he has a great chance of winning it uh, with, with his form, his release, and the way he shoots the basketball – I'd love to
0: see it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously at the, the All-Star game, you, you would have to, you know, Steph just broke the record, right? So Steph would have to be in it. Steph, Bain, you know, maybe Clay Thompson coming back, even though, you know, he hasn't necessarily done what needs to be done to be an All-Star. But, you know, because of who he is and what he's done for the game, you know, I, I, I would love to see Bain in there because, Bane is getting comparisons to Clay Thompson. And, and that's, yeah, that's high praise, man. That, that's Clay is one of the, the best shooters to ever do it. And that's, you know, he, he's overshadowed because of who he's playing with. But make no mistake about it, the, the guy can shoot the ball. And the, the fact that, that Bane is getting mentioned in the same sentence as that guy is, is fantastic for him and this organization.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think Donovan Mitchell is probably a guy that you'll probably see in it. I was trying to think of think of other guys, but but yeah, man, I would love to see Bang get it. He deserves it. I mean, you shooting north for forty percent on the volume that that he shoots at. I, I think and what the Grizzlies are, you're sitting in third in the West right now, man. He definitely definitely deserves that spot. I was kind of glad that he mentioned it. Now he's got it out there, the atmosphere. Hopefully, hopefully they're listening and watching him because he definitely deserved that spot. But to run through the team stats, as you said, man, the Grizzlies continue to to get more shots off than their opponents, and that's one of the reasons why they used to win basketball games. A lot of times teams out shoot them from the three-point line, but they kind of make up for that with more possessions. The shots just weren't falling last night. Uh, Grizzlies go 44-106 for 41.5%. Milwaukee 46-96 of 96 for 47.9% for the three-point line, man. Just a tough night, man, for the Grizzlies. 9-40 of 40 for 22.5% and missing, missing Bain, and even now Tyus Jones with the way he shoot the basketball. Those are two big losses uh, on the perimeter when you talk about perimeter shooting. So a tough night for the Grizzlies, getting 9 of 40 for 22.5%. Milwaukee, not great. Uh, they're 13 of 37 for 35.1%. Grizzlies plus three in attempts. Uh, bucks plus four in makes for 12-point advantage there on the three-point line. You switch over to the free throw line, Grizzlies 17 of 25 for 68%. Milwaukee 21 of 22 for 95.5%. Uh, Grizzlies plus three in attempts. Bucks plus four in makes. So Bucks are t- a total of pl- plus 16 points when you uh, add up the three-point line and free-throw line. So that's kind of – see, they lost the game by 12, though. Big discrepancy, they 16 points. If you kind of shoot a little bit better, hit a couple more threes, you, this game probably would have turned out different. Uh, one thing that kind of stands out as a, like a blinking red light on this stat sheet is who got out-rebounded last night. And that's something that I can't remember the last time that they got out rebound in the game. Uh, but they they lose the rebounding battle 55-47 to 47 last night. Did have more offensive rebounds, sixteen to twelve, and again, that's a another reason why Grizzlies are usually able to win basketball games because they just have more possessions, offensive rebounds, and they did win offensive rebounds last night. Uh, steals ten to seven, Grizzlies blocks eight to six, Grizzlies turnovers uh, fifteen for Milwaukee, ten for Memphis. Uh, fast break points tied at eighteen. Uh, Grizzlies with sixty six points in the paint and Milwaukee fifty eight.
0: Yeah. Impressive putting up 66 points in the paint against this, yeah, Milwaukee against, against
1: Giannis, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: you know, just Giannis's ability to protect the paint, his athleticism. I, I still that block on eight and in game four last year may have been the best block of all time. I, I will say, like, jaw,
1: yeah, it's and, up there. Jaws is up there, too. though. Jaws
0: block was crazy. It was. I don't even know that I would say that it was way more athletic. It was super impressive, but just the the weight of the game, because that was a finals game.
1: And yeah, I'm getting back I got to like that
0: shot. Just I, I would give the edge slightly to that Giannis block, but just incredible defender. And and again, the Grizzlies lose a game. It's tough. You hate to lose any time, but because of the circumstances, not disappointing in this loss. They went out, they fought. They were in this game until late, um, and, and I would say that they were even in this game late, just the last, you know, what minute the, the Bucks ended up pulling away. So it's tough road trip. They still got uh, three games to go on this road trip against teams that they are more than capable of beating. The Denver game is going to be rough going in there at altitude. The way Jokic is playing right now, the Mavericks have won nine of their last ten and four in a row. So they're surging right now. That's going to be a tough one, and and that one again, crucial crucial game for them right now. The Mavericks lead the series, season series two to one. The Grizzlies need that game probably more than any of them in this road trip uh, to to maintain that, that uh, you know the home court advantage in the first round
1: of the playoffs. And we talked about the weirdness of that series. If the Grizzlies were to win that game, Grizzlies would have won both in Dallas, and Dallas would have won both in Memphis. Like, who, who would have thought that? That's a kind of a, a wild thing there. But you got to look at the schedule tonight, man. And Grizzlies could use a big assist from, from Phoenix and, and Indiana tonight. Um, Mavericks on the back-to-back at home. Phoenix is there to take on Dallas. Uh, Phoenix is a two-and-a-half point favorite. Of course, you got Pacers going into to San Francisco, a big underdog, uh, minus 13-and-a-half. But you just never know from night to night what's going to happen in the association. So, you yeah, got no new Grizzlies fans. will be keeping a close eye on both of those games. They could definitely use the assist. From from Suns, from Phoenix and Indiana, uh, Suns are actually a favorite, so maybe that's one that they can get. Um, and, and and maybe Pacers uh, shocked the world in the back to back. Kyrie's vert went nuts out in, in L.A. last night, so maybe he can continue some of that, and they get a road upset tonight.
0: Yep, let's hope, man. That's uh, Phoenix is not healthy right now. Aiton is out. Um, that's not a massive, massive blow in the grand scheme of things because Dallas doesn't really have the the big physical. Uh, center that's, that's going to cause them a lot of issues, but still offensively and the things that Aiden brings to the floor that that's a that is a hit for Phoenix. I do think that team is still good enough to beat the Mavericks. Hope they can pull it off, and hoping that the Pacers continue to stay hot in Golden State. I think we'll wrap it up before we get out of here. Don't forget to go over and find the at Ethos Grizzlies page on Twitter. We're giving away a John Morant jersey. We're, uh, entries are allowed all the way up until the All Star game. We're going to cut them off at the tip of the All Star game on February 20th, and we will announce the winner following the game. I said 400 on the last one. It's just north of 300 likes and retweets. That's all you have to do to enter to win. We will ship it anywhere in the world. So get over there, find that original tweet, like it, retweet it. You are entered to win. Um, follow the page while you're there at Ethos Grizzlies, E T H O S Grizzlies. I am at Dwell two one 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 Isaac. I, I want to do something, man. I, I want to like the, the Twitter spaces are fantastic. They've got a record feature in there. I would like for us to host one. Yeah.
1: And, I, I'm make, it like, make it an
0: episode.
1: Yeah, we could do that. So,
0: so, so maybe we can do it. Uh, we don't have to do it super frequently, but maybe we can set it up and do it once a month. And do an episode so we can get some of the people that are listening, some of the people on Twitter. A lot of great voices on Twitter. Again, I had a fantastic conversation with a number of different people in the Grizzly space following the game last night. So, a lot, a lot of great takes, a lot of people with, with a lot of good stuff to say. So, we'll definitely have to get that in. But, Isaac, I'll let them or I'll let you tell them where they can find you and get us out of here, man.
1: Yeah, man. Great, great minds think alike because I was going to bring up that idea to you as well. I think that's great i I love that concept uh the twitter spaces because you get to to hear from from a lot of different different voices and chris nation has a lot of knowledgeable fans uh fans that really really know know their stuff man so that'll be fun and get interactive with listeners so i'll definitely definitely be on the lookout for that uh because that's definitely something that i think we should should jump on and do in the future but you can find me on twitter at isaac underscore rivals is a-A-C underscore rivals, man. Make sure you go over to Ed @ethos Grizzlies, give us a follow. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back you tomorrow night. So Saturday with day. Uh, hopefully this got a, a big win wins and different uh, but until next nice time, David. I've been out of the gone.